When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 296. Today's episode is all about building healthy emotional responses for a suck-proof mind. How do you actually build resiliency? And resiliency is that bounciness. It's not how tough you are. It's not how strong you are. It's how flexible, how agile you are. And one of the aspects of this is, can we reconcile our upbringing? Most of us we don't know how our how we grew up really informs our patterning and really informs how we even process certain emotions. So if we saw growing up our parents acting instinctually and acting out and not having healthy ways to distribute their emotions when they get angry, but it's different to get angry and actually sit with that anger, feel it, express it, take a pillow, scream at it to allow it, but not allow it to fully consume you. So it's what we do with that emotion and how we process it in a healthy way that actually builds resiliency. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means mind love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. How do you handle life's sucky moments? We've all gone through those difficult periods where everything just seems to be going wrong. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, a difficult breakup, a setback in your career, life can just be tough. But what are the best ways to deal with these moments? Some people might try to ignore or suppress their emotions in the name of positivity, which is the very definition of toxic positivity. And then others might want to wallow in their feelings. I have been guilty of both of these methods, although Guilty isn't really the right word, more like ignorant or unknowingly taking the unhelpful route. There have even been times I've done a combination of the two. I actually think this might be more of my default method. Like when my dad died. All of my friends thought I was powering through, always looking on the bright side. But alone, I was spiraling. I was feeding all of my negative thoughts about how no one understands and how of course I'm getting bad grades in college And of course I'm not showing up to work. Don't you see what I'm going through? In hindsight, I had no idea how to process what I was feeling. And I think we can all relate to that. When my dog died last year, my grief overwhelmed me. Even with everything that I know now, I still felt unprepared to deal with his loss. The pain was physical. I could actually feel my heart hurting. I do think I did everything the right way as to allow my emotions to move through me rather than getting stuck. But while it was happening, 
nothing about it felt right. Nothing about it felt healing. I remember thinking, no wonder I historically avoided this process. This shit is hard. I had also given up drinking the year before, so I didn't even have that to fall back on. I had evolved past most of my ways that I used to numb. And my only option left was to just feel it all. So I get it. I get why it's so common to avoid the hard things. The problem is, the easy route isn't actually that easy in the long run. If you don't properly process your emotions, they get stuck and they can cause all sorts of negative consequences, from depression to anxiety to physical illness. So today we're talking about a better way to approach these difficult moments, by finding their magic. And our guest is Nita Bashan. She is the co-founder of the Global Grit Institute, a mental health training platform for leaders and coaches, and the co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, training thousands to live their best lives. She's helped thousands of people move past their heartbreaks, failures, and disappointments. And after years of research into human behavior, observing people in their worst and best moments, being a mother of two small children and failing more than a few times herself, she really knows what it takes to get back up no matter what bowled you over. So three key things we will learn are how unresolved issues from childhood create cyclical emotional reactions, how to use rituals and practices to release emotions, and how to build a new default pattern for coping with difficult situations. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Dr. Nita Bouchon to the show. Hey, it's so good to be here, love. Thank you so much for having me. I know. It feels like it was meant to be. We've met before, didn't know it until we were prepping for this. So (laughs) I'm excited to get to know you on a different level. So I'm curious, what inspired your recent work in basically embracing the chaos and the mess that is life? Oof. I feel like this book was a culmination of everything that I had, the life that I've walked through, lived through, and uh, and and it really didn't bubble up to the surface until I was actually entering motherhood. And you know, in fact, quick story, um, I was. I won't share all of that story because I know you're I know you're fully pregnant. Oh, you share it. I need to know what I'm getting into. (laughs) But this is your second though, right? Yeah, second. This is your second. Okay, fine. I would probably preface this if if this was gonna be your first. But I think for so many listeners in the room, you know, you have this idea that you're going to have this, everything's gonna go to plan. And for me, I I had a very visceral and firm belief that I'm like, I am not going to go to the hospital for my birth. 
And so, and, and I think that for so much of my prep, I was, I pretty much got into this like PhD mode of all things natural. And of course we were living in the bubble of LA at the time, which I feel like you were there at some point as well. And so within kind of like the whole world of everything natural and all the things and everyone was just, you can get your hands on whatever you want, basically being in LA and being pregnant and wanting to go the natural route. And so my husband, who was actually from India. Funny story. He's just like, you know, and, and coming from the Indian culture, like my dad was Indian as well. And he's like, you know, like, why are we going backwards in time? Like from <laughs> when my family was like, my mom did that. We're, we're living in the States now. Like we can get actual <laughs> proper care. Like this is what all of, you know, my community comes to the U S for. And, and so, you know, it was like a big thing. Until I finally got him on board that we were going to do this like home birth, natural. They were going to, it was going to be an orgasmic birth, all of those things. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. In fact, I had the very opposite of that experience. And leading up into it, I was just so against all of these other things. I'm like, nope, it's going to be this way. And it's only going to be one way, right? And so when I feel like we're so caught in this idea of what we want in our head, this like full, whether it's, you know, that house that we wanted or that relationship that we thought that was going to end up in this like happily ever after. And my beautiful water birth that I was like envisioning and I was, you know, manifesting and I had it all throughout and I had the crystals and the sayings and everything. And it was a beautiful kind of reckoning with some of the biggest fears that I hadn't necessarily dove into. And that was, well, because I had grown up watching both of my parents and brother go through their own journeys of medical diseases that we couldn't control. And my mom passing away early at the age of 16 I was 16 of, of breast cancer. And then a year later, my brother dying of an asthma attack, just randomly as a sophomore in high school, he was 15. And then two years later after that, we would be pulled into a hospital setting again, mind you, the same hospital, all three of them perished. And my dad would get the diagnosis of lung cancer. And so he died when I was 19 and 10 months after that diagnosis. And so for me, I had to reconcile in the heat of the moment of when I was birthing and this baby wasn't coming out naturally. In fact, my labor was stalled for five days and I, there was, I, I, my water broke. It was all of these things. It was raining in LA. I mean, this could have been out of a movie. Like this was everything that you thought of in a movie. And I just surrendered. And I said, I have to go face the place that I did never, ever wanted to go. And I think that for me to finally surrender into that moment was welcoming what I was so afraid of and the fear of Oh, going to this place, which in my mind only signified death up until that point, I had to reframe what I had in my heart and what I had in my, in my head. 
And we, my backup OB was in Compton that day. He was at MLK Junior Hospital. Funny enough, uh, we're talking about that. And, and it was in, obviously, if you don't know about Compton, it's a shady part of town in LA. And there were three metal detectors just to get into the hospital. And by the way, at this point, I was like, I need to like be somewhere now. My legs were giving out. It was a whole thing. And I was just so, once we got there, all of my fears that I had totally went away and I literally surrendered and it ended up being the most beautiful birth. It was a teaching hospital. And so we had like 20 interns. Um, (laughs) It was like we were the show, but it felt so, it felt so good. And it felt so good because I finally reconciled what I was so afraid of. And so that really this evolution of this book that sucked. Now what? How to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess. That was literally my birth story and in my ushering into this next phase of motherhood where yes, chaotic. Absolutely. Yes. All of the feels absolutely big T traumas. No, not as and and to really allow me to embrace the chaos that I had grown up with, but now it's all in a different way. Now it was like real time every single day, like daily dose, daily dose of like, you didn't do the bottles right. Oh my gosh. It's not (laughs) sterilized too. Why did you leave the diaper on for this long? Are you out of your mind? You know? So it's, it's reconciling those things, but not having the heart wrenching, oh my God, is somebody going to die feelings? And that was the beauty of, 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 coming into this next evolution of of motherhood for me. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. I love that story. I can relate so much. I've been very distrustful of just the medical industry for a lot of my adult life since my dad died when I was 19. And it was one of those situations where he had bad insurance, not like I think any insurance is good insurance. <laughs> like I just don't like the system. But he had these his back was in pain. And so they just kept prescribing him Vicodin. And then his belly got big. Like it looked like he was a couple months pregnant. And then, and they said it was bloating because of the Vicodin. And then they found out three years later that he actually had a tumor, a large tumor in his stomach and he had lymphoma. And if they would have caught it when he first started going in, instead of accusing him of trying to get over prescribed Vicodin, then we may have been able to save him. And so after that, that's when I got skeptical. I went down the holistic route. My first baby was supposed to be born at a birthing center, four days of labor, had to transfer to the hospital, same fears. And, and you had same, four days of labor too. Four days. Yeah. And same. Oh my God. Did you have like the, the, what is it? The nocturnal laboring where they, where you, where you labor at night, but then in the morning it stops. Yeah. That's what was happening. And, and oh. it was hard to know because my, I thought it was going to be a good idea for my mom to be there, which no. <laughs> same. Oh my gosh. Same. I had my, my in-laws come in from India for the first time to the U S. Oh my gosh. And that... then I just felt like I needed to like entertain or something like that. So it would pull me yes. out of my mindset. And and we, I chose a birthing center because they don't deliver babies up in Big Bear, which is weird, but you have to go down the mountain anyways. And so I was like, well, this one's at least across the street from a hospital. But when I finally did transfer, my midwife said, you know, you're going to want to go to this other hospital if you're, if you want them to honor your wishes. If you go to the one across the street, it's going to be their way. So mm -hmm. we still had to drive an hour. Contractions were like a minute and a half apart. It was intense. But when Bravery is my baby's name, he, when he finally came, no way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he it was a beautiful experience. It was I was glad I didn't feel afraid. Like a lot of times when I go to even a doctor's appointment, I feel like resistance already comes up because I am, I've convinced myself that they're going to be trying to push something on me that I'm going to be saying no to. And yes, I'll be honest, that happens almost every time I go. But really? in, this, in this situation, I had some people that ended up making it a lot easier for me. There were a couple things I had to fight for, but otherwise it ended up being overall great. And I actually felt safe there in comparison because there were so many days during my labor. And I honestly, at that time, I feel like my midwife could have given me more information because I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, well, why aren't we doing more cervical checks? Well, my water broke first and it was everywhere. It was like a big, it was like a movie scene. <laughs> like yeah. It wouldn't stop. Yeah. And I heard that didn't happen. And I'm like, apparently it happens to me. And so at the hospital, they were all about 
well, you know, you can, you're likely to have an infection. Like they were acting like it was like a 98% chance. And I had to like pull up studies and show them it's a half a percent of a chance regardless. And it goes up to 1% of a chance of infection. If your water breaks early, like it's not this big deal. I'm not taking your antibiotics. Uh, but yeah, that's why my midwife wasn't doing cervical checks. And But I think she was trying to keep me calm and not telling me certain things. And I'm just not that kind of person. I'm like, tell me everything and that'll keep me That'll keep me calm. So anyways, it ended up being a beautiful experience. And I was really glad that I got both sides. I got half of a, of a birth center experience and I got a hospital experience. And I think for me, because I can get so, the more research I do, the more I really believe that I'm right. And having both sides really softened my stance against the other and allowed me to see how both sides are valid and how the epidural isn't going to automatically kill me <laughs> you know like because i just ended up going for it call me crazy i'm still planning a home birth for this one but <laughs> we'll, i love we'll it i mean you know and i think like because you've we, yeah we've lived through both sides of that and by the way i've never met somebody who'd also have the same kind of you know, labor experiences me. I'm like, I thought I was the only one that had this, like going to labor on Monday. And then basically Friday, my water broke and <laughs> for five <laughs> days, you're not sleeping at night. I mean, su such intensity, but I think that, yeah, it's part of, I think at least for me in my journey, it was part of me surrendering that biggest fear and starting to alchemize and transform some of the depths of that grief that I thought I had processed yet in this way, I, you know, there was a whole different appreciation for hospital, that hospital could mean life, that hospital could mean safety, that hospital could mean, wow, I'm, you know, I'm being nurtured and cared for in these, you know, in these walls. And I could still have the home birth experience of whatever that means you know, with my crystals, with my candles, with all of the things yet, you know, in this container that was welcoming. And so, yeah, there I pulled with my hands, my son and, and, you know, the rest is history. But I think that, you know, the, the subtitle, how to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mass was because it was finally a culmination of all of the things that, and the experiences and the life experiences, you know, that, that I had to, 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 to put into this book where it's not just about those tough times. It's also about, you know, how to, how do we actually sit in joy and how do we actually really attune ourselves to what we're experiencing now in the moment, especially with little ones running around, because let's face it, I don't know about you, but I, I was reparenting myself, especially in the first few years. And when he got to being two, well, oh, you're, you're just, you're going to be, <laughs> that's when that's when things fully shifted because I could no longer, I mean, this is with anyone, right? You take any toddler who, you know, they're, they're in that stage of development. They are trying to find their own identity, their reality. And it's mine, 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 mine. And how come I can't have that candy in the morning or that whatever juice box or whatever. And then they go into their tantrum and they have the biggest meltdown and it lasts for 20 minutes. Yet, they're processing their emotions real time. And that's when I started to really 
take ownership into, well, what parts of my lineage, what parts of me growing up in a chaotic household where my parents didn't have the tools of emotional intelligence, let alone understanding emotions because things were so dark and chaotic. And I had to grow up early at 10 years old to be a caretaker. What parts of that do I want to pass on? And can I be okay in the stillness of his crying? Can I be okay in, in embracing that, like, it's hard to parent that way because that will take every ounce of your bravery and just, you know, and, and even patience as a human, as we're navigating the complexity of what we're actually going through ourselves. And it's a big nervous system reset, especially if you'd grown up in situations where your nervous system was dysregulated all the time. Just Actually, about an hour before this interview, I'm going to be honest, today was one of those days where my hormones are raging. I had to have a conversation. I like started complaining about something and I have enough self-awareness to tell my husband, I need to warn you, I'm feeling irritable. Like I'm feeling very on edge to where any small thing that happens, it feels like it's putting me over the edge, <laughs> but nothing big has happened behind the scenes. So it's just, it's all the little things. And uh, it's a snow, snow weekend. It's been snowing kind of all weekend. And and we have the HOA, like, will get their mower things. And I was trying to record something and I'm like, ah, irritated at that. And then next door is rented out and they're making more sounds than normal. And I'm irritated about that. And then I couldn't figure out what to eat. And I'm just like, okay, this is a lot. And when I relate that to both likely being a toddler and parenting a toddler, it's sort of the same thing that's happening. My internal self, maybe my inner child is throwing a tantrum and this higher level of me has to breathe through it and act like a real grown adult <laughs> instead of just complaining about everything and sinking into this version of myself that I know is not going to make me feel any better. I'm going to think it does by sinking into it, but instead I'm just going to spiral myself into some negative thing. And so we were just talking over lunch and I'm just like... I just have to keep reminding myself that this pregnancy has been easier than the last one as far as hormones, not as far as anything else, <laughs> but I still have my days. I don't always feel like this. It's not always going to be like this. And I think that's the hard part to get out of when you're yeah. in that magical moment of suck. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, oh, this has always been a problem, you know, because it's not like it's just this one moment your mind makes meaning. And so you bring back every other time you've ever felt that way or every other time this has happened. And so my toddler will be screaming and I'm just like, how am I ever going to survive this phase? And I'm like, seven minutes ago, he was an angel and he came up and gave me a kiss without me asking. <laughs> like what? In 12 minutes, he'll probably be fine, <laughs> you know? And so just those little reminders that can help you see the bigger picture when you're in that moment yeah. is it's hard to grasp, but if you can get yourself to a point where that becomes the default reaction rather than these instinctive reactions. And that I know that's one of the things that you talk about. How do our instinctive reactions get in the way of our resilience? Because I don't think a lot of people put those things together. They just think, oh, I'm sinking into this moment. It's just this moment. And they don't really realize that the grander effect that that has on maybe future moments of suck. Oh, yes. Ooh, our instinctive reactions and our instinctive 
these instinctive emotional, you know, bouts of, of really expressing our emotions. I think that for so many people, you know, myself included, I think for the longest time, I would judge every emotion that I would have. And I would judge and, and because I was taught growing up, you know, this, this whole facade of toxic positivity, that was my coping mechanism through all of my losses. And you know, it it had its pros and cons, right? I think many times with po- toxic positivity, we're we're constantly, and if we're in this work, we're constantly looking at the silver lining. Yet we're not allowing ourselves to embrace, and and many times we bypass how we're really feeling because we're faking it till we make it. We're like saying, okay, yeah, this is. Yeah, it didn't go as well as I wanted to, but you know what? There's next time. And there is, and so there is definitely a point to that for sure. It's valid. It needs to be there. And hey, it helped me get through some of these tough times versus leaning into other coping mechanisms like maybe addictions. And, you know, and I was addicted to work. That was another thing too. But I think also, you know, to go on the other side of that, then I would judge every time a especially when I was in postpartum depression, I was like, oh my goodness, why am I so, like, I didn't know I was in it until I was out of it because I'm like, whoa, these hormones are taking me for a loop. Like, how am I being this like vicious person? You know, I had never experienced the amount of like rage that was coming up. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And I could only, you know, recall because I had never experienced that amount of anger and frustration. And there were so many like uh, figuring out my identity as a mom in this stage and, and taking this like back seat and allowing myself to receive support and help. Because for so many years of my life, I was the one, I was a matriarch. I was like bringing family members together, bringing everyone together. And for the first time I couldn't do, which went, meant I had to go deeper. And it meant that I had to see oh, am I, am I really, am I worthy of your love for you to come all the way from India for my aunt and uncle, who were my bonus parents helped raise me. They came all the way from Chicago, but I was just shoving everyone away because I'm like, no, I I'm the one who usually takes care of you. And I wouldn't let anyone in because that would mean for me to ask a different question. Am I worthy of that love? Am I worthy of not doing for the first time. And that was scary. It was scary in all the ways. And I realized, you know, in definitely doing all of this work, I realized that many of us, we, because of how we have been raised, and I talk about this in a whole chapter two or section two, part two of my book, how we build our bounce factor, because our bounce factor is comprised of four parts. And I, the way that I talk about your, your, your bounce factor is how do you actually build resiliency? And resiliency is that bounciness. It's not how tough you are. It's not how strong you are, contrary to what we've been told, right? Unpopular opinion. It's how flexible, how agile you are, how, how in Latin, how bouncy can you be? And one of the aspects of this is, can we reconcile our upbringing? This is part one of this four-step framework that I have um, that I go deeper in this book. And I'll share the backstory of that in a little bit. But what I want to get to is most of us we don't know how our how we grew up really informs our patterning and really informs how we even process certain emotions. So if we saw growing up our parents 
acting instinctually, acting from a place of, 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 and, and acting out and not having healthy ways to distribute their emotions when they get angry, when, you know, it's different to get angry and you're going to punch a wall. Um, but it's different to get angry and actually sit with that anger, feel it, express it, take a pillow, scream at it. Right. I have all of these different tools in the book to go through that, but to allow it, but not allow it to fully consume you. So it's what we do with that emotion and how we process it in a healthy way. Right. That actually builds resiliency. It's easy to get frustrated and scream at everybody and and let it out and emotionally dump on everyone. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, hey, if we're feeling this feeling of jealousy or if we're feeling this feeling of frustration or even rage, what does it do to us? Are we going to just sit there and like just stew or are we going to get up and maybe go for a walk, maybe do some breath work, maybe transmute it, maybe put on a song, start singing, start dancing, but actually be with that. Or are we going to, you know, go hurt ourselves and hurt other people in the process, right? I think that's the thing that most people get confused, which is why many people can either, they can hold somebody's anguish. They can hold somebody's pain in terms of their discomfort and, oh, I'm so, I'm feeling so sad right now and their breakdown. But many times they can't hold like myself. I couldn't hold anybody's anger because I hadn't allowed myself to feel angry. I hadn't, because that wasn't an emotion like in our upbringing that was appropriate. And so then we grow up thinking, oh, our kids shouldn't have that anger. Well, there's healthy ways to be able to experience that healthily, right? I mean, I just, the other day I told my husband, I'm like, we need to go to an empty parking lot. Like I need to just like release because I've been on podcasts and interviews and I'm doing this book tour and I've been away from the kids and I just felt so guilty. And I, and this is real talk. And I'm like, I just need to like release it fully out there, like howl, you know, and, and not be, and just be around a safe container, which is, which is him. I've done it with my girlfriends, but like to, and he's just like, okay, love. Yeah. Whatever you need. And, and to allow somebody to just be there for you to help you with that. So when I talk about, you know, resiliency and our instant impulses of wanting to act out because, you know, this is an example, you know, the other day, uh, a girlfriend of mine said, Hey, you know, I, I just, they, we, we, we finally, we broke up and I just want to call him right now and just scream and yell at him. I can't even imagine like we had all of these things and I'm like, all right, let's, let's calm down before you dig yourself into a hole right now and do something you will regret. That would be acting out of impulse. But instead, what if we did the opposite? And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. 
The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That would be acting out of impulse, but instead, what if we did the opposite? What if, and that's exactly what I told her. I said, I know you want to do this and I know this would make you feel so good right now. What if instead you start, you go into your bathroom and start saying all of the things that you wanted to say and, and light a candle and in that representation, you have this piece of paper and you're saying it, you know, in front of the mirror, but in front of this piece of paper, and then you take that energetically and you crumble it up and then you light that, that, that thing on fire and let it burn all the way. I mean, this is another ritual and practice that I have in the book, but an energetic letting go of whatever that representation was can look very different than actually just cussing out your ex that probably doesn't deserve you anyways. Um, and so, so these are some healthy examples of how we can actually transmute. There's a emotional release practice in my book where I actually go through the first step is, you know, 
connect to your mind body, basically take your hand, put it over your heart. You know, there's not the pledge of allegiance, but basically, you know, when we're connecting our mind to our body, we're signifying, oh, okay. It's like that embrace that we wanted from our, our parents when, you know, we were, we were coming home from a bad day of school and we just wanted their embrace. We just wanted them to be there. Well, we can be there for ourselves and just catch that and hold that and say, all right, we're going to be okay. But to then bring up the suck and to bring up the emotion that we're like, what is this right now? Why am I feeling so overwhelmed? All right, feel it. Where is it feeling weird in your body? Is it feeling like all tangled up? in your stomach? Is it feeling all tangled up in your head? Is it feeling, are you feeling it in your throat where you can't properly like speak clearly? Are you feeling it in your head and chest? Like, where is that? And then breathe into it. Right. And then I usually use a ridiculous song, but I have a whole ridiculous playlist. And many of it is, is, is these songs that I use with my kids literally cats and boots download it it's a great playlist but i'll play usually right now we're playing dinosaur dance and you know it's like edm but for kids i mean melissa you usually love it it's so ridiculous but it's great because you play it and you're like okay flap your wings like a pterodactyl you know and it's just <laughs> hysterical but you can't necessarily hold all that tension with you know and 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 i you know, it's a practice where I then stand up because we want to move the energy and I stomp around and I move around. And if my kid is around me, I'll pretend that sure, we're stomping out the dinosaurs, but we're stomping out those feelings to then release it. And, and you can create your own emotional embodiment practice. I have ways to do that if you don't want to listen to dinosaur beats music, but drum circle and even, you know, uh, belly dancing music to shake it all and to transmute it all. There is a, you know, there's scientific benefits of how that just resets our nervous system because we're shaking, we're moving the energy. That's why rebounders were so big because we can jump on those trampolines and let that energy go and start to transmute it. So, and, and so these are just some of many ways to start to integrate your resiliency. I love all that. There's so much that I relate to. You were talking about how we don't realize how our upbringing will affect the way our nervous systems are acting now. And it's funny that you brought that up because it's something that I've been revisiting recently because I had a lot of trauma. A couple years before my dad died, there was sexual assault. My dad died. More things happened. Downward spiral. So I have You such... had a sexual assault? Yes. And oh, when wow. I was 15 and oh, 17. And so I was already dealing with a lot and I was actually kind of handling it with toxic positivity. My dad used to pay me to read self-development books. And now it's something I like. I so wish I actually just had a tearful moment the other day because I, I so wish we could have been adults together because he's yeah. the only one in my family that I'm realizing now is like me, which is so ironic because the whole time I was growing up, I thought my dad was so different. <laughs> and so anyways, we he would pay me to read these books and write reports on them and I would get $50. And so no my, way. my first self-development books. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to do that. And so I had these little tidbits. The things that stuck with me were like mind over matter and everything's about your mindset. And I remember thinking about that and and thinking like none of this stuff is going to affect me, including the death of my dad. And because of that, the emotions had nowhere to go. 
what I did not understand was that ignoring them doesn't make them go away. Yeah, they might not show on the outside, but they're going to manifest in other ways. And so instead, I was dealing with a lot of trapped emotions. And that was coming out in decisions that were basically self-sabotage. And so because of this period of my life that was so traumatic now looking back and has been really what my whole healing journey was overcoming, I had forgotten to look before that. And I recently did a session with uh, Lion Goodman, who was on this podcast around clearing beliefs. And we went back further. And I, at first, I was thinking, no, you don't understand. All my stuff is right here. And then we went back further. And I ended up bringing up so many things. And not to talk down on my childhood. Comparatively, I had an amazing childhood. But we're all going to have these things, these ways that our parents dealt with us despite how much they loved us, despite how hard they were trying, because they didn't have the tools or because they were having a weak moment, just like I'm sure my child is going to have when he's older, you know? Yes, I have more tools, but doesn't mean I'm perfect. And there are times where I react with something and then I'm like, oh man, I hope that hope that doesn't leave a lasting mark. Like, like he, his face looks shocked because mommy turned and said, mommy, we'll get to you in a minute, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, and voice all squeaky. And so anyways, I've been revisiting these little things and they might seem minor. And I think a lot of times that's what, not necessarily a mistake we make, but a misconception that we might have is like, oh, well, I had a good childhood. So none of this stuff is affecting me versus, you know, we all have things. Versus, yeah. yeah. I, I was even going to say versus like bypassing that because yeah. we're so taught in this kind of work. When we dive into the work, we're taught that, okay, yep. I, I know the tools, mind over matter. I'm not going to feel it. And so that's the issue with that I have with, you know, a lot of the, the, the growth books. And when we get into the, the period of growth, you are human. You're going to, especially when you're in these interpersonal relationships, if we're, you know, meditating like a monk on a mountain, maybe we won't because we'll be able to regulate our nervous system so much. And we're not relating with others to draw up our mirror and our, the, the things that we still need to heal, uh, when it comes up in relationship, it's so much easier to control us, but then what if we're, you know, in that soup with somebody else, with your child, with your mom, with, with, you know, your, your colleagues, team members, et cetera, that's where all of that stuff comes up. And that's where we get triggered. And that's where we have to go in and deeper and deeper. And, and that's, yeah, that's the beauty of even one of the frameworks that I talk about in the book, fly forward. It's not that when you have a fall, because the first step is a fall. And then, you know, step five is, thriving, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have a fall again. It's just cyclical. And even if you're thriving, you can still have a fall. It may not be as bad as the very first time where you had, you know, got slighted or you got bullied or you couldn't stand up to speak your truth or you had a loss or a diagnosis of medical condition happen, but maybe it's something else. And how are you going to cope with that and even climb out of that suck to fly forward past it? I love that because one of the things that I, that is my sort of trigger when I'm in that moment, because you're right. A lot of times our first reaction is just to kind of spew all these emotions. And it's like, well, at least I'm feeling it. I will yeah. say the self-development books available to me back then, when you think about it, 
most of them were in the masculine, you know? So it makes perfect sense why we bypassed all of these other things. Now, thank goodness we have access to more feminine energies that help us access that power. And that's a big part of processing the emotions so that they don't get trapped. And processing them includes feeling them and releasing them and giving them an outlet. And so I try to remember that. I remember years ago, somebody telling me, you are spiritually responsible for your own energy. And when I think about it that way, then it's like, yeah, it's so easy to just sort of like spew out my emotional discharge (laughs) onto somebody else. But I think that's when karma kind of gets involved where it's like, okay, well now I just brought my husband down with me because I needed somebody to complain to. And, you know, this feeling that I'm feeling is suddenly now going to come out as him putting everything in the pantry horribly and and why are you making my life so hard type thing versus how you were talking about, yes, he can still be a support system, but bringing him in in a way that supports rather than is the receiving end of that emotional whatever. And so that's even what I was just doing before this. I could feel myself wanting to blame him for whatever I was irritated about which I can't even remember a couple of hours ago. I could, but I could easily think of 12 different things that were then bugging me about him because that's just how it works. But instead I breathed through it and I, I said, I am extra irritable today. I feel like my cup is full in the bad way, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm about to spill over. And then I just started thanking him for things that he hadn't done yet because it was like my way of telling him this is what I need. I'm like, yeah. so thank you for not being frustrated that I'm going to start talking about how much I hate where we live and this and this and this. Thank you for being understanding <laughs> just because I'm stuck inside pregnant and I can't snowboard right now or whatever it is. Oh my and so yeah. I, and I'm like, it's really helpful when you are just supportive like this and just listen to me vent. And in saying that, then that's exactly what he was for me. And then I was able to come back and I didn't even feel those things anymore because Mm. I allowed myself to release them. I did it in a healthy way. I didn't spiral him into some karmic vortex of (laughs) despair. (laughs) And and we kind of worked through it together. And another thing I've been doing is saying things like, Like when I actually do feel mad at him, like when he's the trigger, I'm just Mm going to say, I feel angry at you. I don't know if it's logical, but I just need you to help me work through this rather than here are all the reasons that I'm mad at you. Then it's like, now we can talk about it. And I'm like, is this even logical? Do I do the exact same thing? Like, is, Is it not fair? Oh my gosh. I love that you just said it in that way, because I think most of us don't know how to even ask for support and we just lash out. And it's easy to have this emotional burst and release, but, you know, being intentional and saying, Hey, I can really use your support in this. I'm feeling this way. So taking personal responsibility for the way that you're feeling, but then also inviting somebody who has the capacity to hold that space for you, hold that container for you, whether it's friends, family, I mean, family, uh, but your partner, if they're in that same wavelength with you, then, then to ask, to ask them. And, and many times we just don't know how to even bring that up to their awareness to even say, Hey, I'm actually going through this and I need your support. So yeah, it's such a, I I love that you just said it in that way, because I think it, it changes everything when we can actually allow ourselves and allow our partners to be part of your processing. And you talked earlier about 
you were going through your process of just like putting your hand on your heart and you're like, it's not the Pledge of Allegiance. And my first thought was, it's kind of the Pledge of Allegiance to ourselves, you know, like it's like the moment that we're holding ourselves. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to create as a default pattern, because that's, Mm -hmm. that's what I've learned over the years is like, at first it's like, well, this takes so much work doing it this way. You know, my old way is easier. It's easier to get to because that's what you've been allowing yourself to get to every single time. But it's not easier in the way that it feels or in the outcome that it, that it has the results that you get from it. And so every time that I'm presented with this thing, this is what I want to do versus this is what I am trying to build toward. Mm. Then the next time it gets a little bit easier and the next time it gets a little bit easier. And then before you know it, that's one of your default patterns. Yes, you're still going to have slip ups, but you're going to realize that the work you did made this so much easier. (laughs) Like now my life feels so much easier because I don't feel like I'm spiraling out of control every single time something comes up that's unexpected. And so you've already shared really actionable tips for people to use, but I love leaving people with something to focus on for the week. If you gave them one practice to do in that when those magical moments of suck pop up, what would you have them focus on this week? Mm, I would focus on... Oh, this is such a great question. Just how bring up a magical moment that sucked. Maybe you're in the suck right now. Maybe you're like, what magic is in that moment? But this is the part where, and I have a whole, when you buy the book at thatsucknowwhat.com, I have a whole um, 44 page digital guide that allows you to go deeper. But this is one of the key exercises that I'm going to just give you so that you can take this with you for this week, but maybe even make a list of all of the moments that sucked in your life, big or small, like big or small, even in the days we've been talking about like our mom woes. So anything that has happened within, let's just say the last year, because we're entering this new year, just make a list of all of them. And in the next column, so you'll have one, you know, one, one area of all of those moments that sucked the next column. How did that make you feel? And the next column, what meaning, if any, you made about yourself. And then finally, well, what's that now? What have you shifted that at all? Because that will then tend to show you some of the things that you are still needing to work on for yourself. I love that. And it's it's so helpful just because anything where you can step out and see the big picture of things overall, it, it starts to show you, wow, I actually remember that time. And I thought that my life was over <laughs> and I'm still here yeah. or whatever. And, and you're able to kind of see this, the, the patterns of how you handle things, but also that you survived them all. And so for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your book, where's the best place for them to connect? Oh, yes. Well, I totally hang out on IG, Neat the Bushan. So N-E-E-T-A-B-H-U-S-H-A-N. I'm there all the time. But if you wanted to just grab a copy for your friend, grab a copy for yourself, you know, our best learning is when we can do it together. And, you know, what a gift to be able to like dive into sucky moments together. And when you both get a, a copy, even if you just get it one for yourself, 
you unleash the the digital practice, which is the 44-page guide. So this is the digital workbook that comes with the book, That's Up Now What, and a five-day fly-forward meditation visualization practice so that you can constantly revisit this and you have the 10 minute audios every day for five days, we start out with healing relationships, which is the most precious commodity. And then we go into day two is all about where we're leaking our energy, especially if you're former people, people pleaser like myself. And then day three, it's like, how are we going to tap into that abundance and focus in it on ourselves? And then day four is all about brave action. And day five is 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 how we start and end with us on the daily. So um, that's at thatsocknowwhat.com. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 296. Your challenge for this week is to transform your suck into strength. So you're going to create a page with four columns. In the first column, list all of the moments in the past year that sucked. Second column, how did that make you feel? Third column, what meaning did you make about yourself or the world? And then in the fourth column, now what? Have you shifted at all? You can also use this column to consciously decide in this moment how you plan to shift in the future. This is actually how we process our experiences. And so many of us don't do it. We just kind of move through, we respond how we naturally respond, how we feel inclined to respond, which is usually an innate reaction that we didn't choose for ourselves. And then we create meaning about the world. And then all of a sudden our world looks a little bit differently because we are giving meaning that we didn't consciously choose. And usually when we allow that meaning to just arise naturally, it isn't necessarily the most positive thing. It can be something like all men suck or marriage is terrible or I am a failure or I guess I just can't do things like that. But we have the option to choose. We can choose the meaning that we give all of these moments. And this is how we actually create an empowered life for ourselves. We can decide, well, that kind of man isn't what I'm looking for. Or I need to learn from this and work harder in my next step. Or I see that I have a tendency for judgment and criticism. So I'm going to work on compassion instead. And we always have that choice. We always have the option to choose what meaning we give a situation. But usually in order to make the empowered response, we have to consciously choose it rather than just letting our minds do what they do. So let me know how it goes. If you need any help with this, reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. Don't forget to check out the MindLove membership at mindlove.com membership. You get a new masterclass every single month and there's already a backlog of quite a few of them from self-discipline to setting goals to priming your mind for change. So these masterclasses actually walk you through these conscious life choices so that you are consciously building your mind, yourself and your life as you go through them. So that's at mindlove.com membership. You can also find my sponsors at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And if you love this episode, please consider sharing it on social media or directly with a friend. You can tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. 
And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 